Yo, you're listening to Geekologist Radio, part of that Ninja Pancake family of podcasts. Welcome. This is Geekologist Radio. I'm Damian Nash, one of the uh, cast members of this, one of the hosts. And uh, tonight we're going to run a solo show. We're supposed to be with uh, Nick and PDX with me tonight, and Silver both had some some things come up. So we're just going to dive into this thing now. The episode tonight's going to be a l- it's well, it's no beating around the bush right now. Rare is in the spotlight. We're talking about the company that's almost like Willy Wonka with how it has its own facility that's just kind of shrouded in mystery, but they've opened up the doors. They allowed a team of players to come in a couple about a year ago, play Sea of Thieves, do all this stuff. It's been crazy, right? Well, they've even been big more because right now the Sea of Thieves beta is going on. And, you know, what I've been up to this week, this last week, I've been up to actually actually quite a bit, okay? Besides working doing all that stuff, you know. I've been playing a few different games. Yeah, I'm playing my PUBG. Yeah, I'm playing my Fortnite. Love those games. Love them to death. But a couple other things went down. Yes, the Sea of Thieves beta is going on right now. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I'm going to talk about that quite a bit here in a second. But first up, what I wanted to talk about was I wanted to talk about Monster Hunter World. This game, man, I'm telling you, I played this on the 3DS Really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. Played it with my my brother and my boys. You know, we'd go on vacation. We'd all, at the end of the night, when everybody else had passed out, we huddled together and we'd play it, go on hunts and stuff together. I just kept wishing that it was back on a console. Not on a Wii, but on like an Xbox, on a PlayStation. And it is. And my God, on an Xbox One X, is it beautiful. I spent 50 minutes just on my character creation of creating my character and my... Uh, Oh, man, and I'm pulling a blank on the cats. Uh, you have this little, like, upright cat that follows you. It starts with a P. Let's say it's like Paniki or something like that, but I'm going to get I'm gonna get slammed for that. This game has so much going on that the Xbox One X, when you start it up, you get to choose. Do I want to focus it on the power on graphics? Do I want to focus the power on resolution? Or do I want to focus that power on frame rate? I've tested it on all three. All three look amazing. The gameplay is great it's crisp it's fun this is this is really itching that that need for the grind the stuff that destiny 2 has been missing and a lot of people are going over to it and they're really enjoying it like this has been i mean this is a huge success right now i mean the game again like i said is beautiful the main city has so much going on that when you're actually now this is this is one thing the game has got so much going on that when you're not playing on one like a higher end console like a or if we're not playing on the PlayStation, which has a higher resolution stuff for the for the game, just as a base, or the Xbox One X. When I was playing on the Xbox One S in the city, it felt like because they had so much going on and so many light, warm colors that at least with the armor I had on and stuff, it just kind of felt like my character got a little lost in it. So this is a game that I feel should be played on the higher end console so i'm saying this game is played best on a ps4 pro on a xbox xbox one x 
If you play this on either one of those, you're going to have an experience that is just breathtaking. The gameplay didn't really, I mean, it really, honestly, it's kind of like how I've talked about Tenchu in the past. You get a new Tenchu that comes out, the graphics are a little updated, there's a few more mechanics. But it's usually, Tenchu is notorious for adding on some story, but starting out with the same base story on all their games. It's been really crazy. And I still love those games, but this game, yeah, it feels very similar, which is not a bad thing. It feels very similar to the handheld games that I've been playing. But being able to play it on a big screen TV, being able to have easier access to getting into online lobbies and stuff and playing with my friends, playing with my, my family, that's making this game a top-notch game for me right now. And as soon as I'm done with my work rotation, I can't wait to delve deeper into it, be able to talk to more about it. Because the one thing I never, I just had my kids help me with was I never really got big and deep into the crafting and stuff like that. I just had my kids basically, hey, what do I need? I'll give you the stuff. You tell me what I need and you help me out. And that's what my kids did, you know, because they were really, really savvy with this stuff. Again, like I said, that game's a lot of fun. But most of my time has been, as much as I can put into it, has been involved in the Sea of Thieves beta. Because it's finally something that we can talk about. We can talk about black powder kegs. My God, we can talk about black powder kegs. It's been quoted on quite a few streams on articles and everything that this game is going to take over Twitch. That's a mighty big statement considering the popularity of Battle Royale games like Fortnite and PUBG. However, it is taking over Twitter right now. Not Twitter. Well, it's taken over Twitter too, but it's taken over Twitch. It's taken over Mixer, especially Mixer with the co-op streams. And that's the thing where this game shines is that you can play a single-player map and commune, or not single-player, but get in the in the sloop, and you can talk with your community. One of the people that's really good at this is Captain Jack Sparrow. Like he's running around in the sloop, learning the game, having some epic moments, and still keeping in contact with his community. Or you got some of the bigger streamers that are out there, like you got Gathalian and uh, the Dark and Professor Broman that are teaming up together and creating these big shows for people. And when you get these good communities around, these streamers around other stuff, it becomes more of a, almost like a comedy action movie because the fact that it's, Sea of Thieves is just a giant sandbox, a giant toy box basically given to people to experience, to go around and live out their pirate dreams. I mean, the things that have gone on in this, the waves, everything, there's been so many cool stories, and we're going to get more into that later. But this basically just solidifies Rare's comeback to saying, hey, we make addictive experiences. We want you to experience something and have the same kind of stories that were told of the bonds of people who played GoldenEye, who played Perfect Dark together against bots on the hardest settings or made it so they had the revenge settings they came and chased you down. These games were played in college dorms, were played in households. My family meal dinners and stuff like that were, it was a rush to get done with whatever we were eating so that we could go to the Nintendo 64 and we could play Goldeneye. We could play Perfect Dark versus each other and we would take turns. This is Rare coming back and giving that experience, that want to rush to get home, to get on something and spend time with people. That's what Rare's created here. But I want to take a pause from talking about the beta, which we'll come back to later. And what I really want to do right now is I want to go back and I want to talk about like Rare's past, how magical of a company this is and explain to you the games that you may not have even realized as a child you played that were made by Rare and how much Rare actually as a company has impacted most gamers lives. So if you just sit back with me, I'm going to take you on a ride that powered by 
searching on the internet, looking on the wikis and things like that. But we're going to, in fact, I'm going to read a little bit off of the, the wiki right now. So if you don't know who Rare is, if you're someone who's just coming, tuning into our show and you're listening to this and you're curious about what this company is that I'm gushing over. Well, Rare is a British video game developer located in Twycross, Le- Le- yeah, Leicestershire. I messed that up and I'm sure I'm going to hear from it when Joe Neat's on the show. The company was established in 1985 by Tim and Chris Stamper, founders of Ultimate Play the Game. During its early years, Rare was backed by an unlimited budget from Nintendo, primarily concentrated on the Nintendo Entertainment System, NES games. During this time, they created successful titles such as Wizards of Warriors, I played it, Battletoads, I played it, and RC Pro-Am. I want to take a moment to sit there and talk about one of these games in particular, Battletoads. Now, Battletoads, I remember being a little kid, getting my Nintendo Power, and this is back when they took snaps of screens to be able to give you your map. So you'd open up the pages, you'd open up the centerfold of the Nintendo Power, and you'd get this whole line of the stages. All mapped out through pictures. That was how we tried to figure out how to become speedrunners. That's how we tried to figure out how to beat these games. Battletoads was, was like the Dark Souls of our time. It was really, really difficult to beat. So much fun to play. I mean, there were similar games to it, like Dungeons and Dragons, or not Dungeons and Dragons, haha, <laughs> like Double Dragon. But the thing about Battletoads was, well, one, you were these, like, teen, like these, these toads that were really cool and a little more vulgar than Ninja Turtles. And the, like, I remember the comics. Like, they actually had a comic that was in Nintendo Power. Okay, and it kind of got you the hype going for it and made you want to play it more and more. And they had these walkers you'd break off the leg and you could pick it up and use it as a weapon. They had these speeder bikes that you'd have to jump over things. You'd see it flashing on the screen. And it was two players. It was co-op. This was a co-op title. You could play with your family. Like I played this game like crazy with my little brother. These are memories. These are things that Rare does. They create memories for people. Let's just think about that. Rare was founded 32 years ago. Sure, they've had their times where they've kind of seemed to have disappeared, and we'll kind of talk a little bit about that, but they've always been there. Like, there's always been something that they've been a part of that almost everybody that games has experienced. Jumping up a little bit more, when you talk about them as a secondary developer from Nintendo, when you think about Rare and you think about the things that really brought them into the light, one of the first things I think of is Donkey Kong Country. This game, what was so big about it was how they did, they pioneered the 3D rendering for it. I remember going in to Toys R Us and getting a VHS green cardboard covered casing tape that was made of, that showed all the leaves on it and stuff like that. And you would watch it. It was the Nintendo Power sponsored. And you'd go through and they would they went to the treehouse. This is a place, this is a studio in, in Nintendo or at Nintendo of America where they make a lot of games. So they're at the treehouse and they're talking to developers and showing all this crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, did this stuff look like that? Like it was on the computer rendering when it came to the console? No, but for the time, this game was graphically amazing. I even went back and have played the Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo Classic recently, and it played it with my my kids. And it didn't matter that the graphics seemed a little dated. It was about the playability and the fun of it. And then the fact is, is that introducing introducing kids and you know anybody to a game system that we played, people start realizing that games now that are hard aren't necessarily hard. What we played growing up and what we thought were fun or was fun, was crazy, crazy difficult. Time, I remember being able to jump through and just, I hit all my barrels. I'd just shoot, 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 and I was done. Like, it was nothing. I tried playing it now. It's been so long since I've, I've been in that kind of that world on there. Oh my gosh, 
it took like forever for me to figure it out. But I was laughing the entire time because it's all the memories that Rare packed into a game that I experienced with family. I mean, the fact that I can remember, in fact, the fact that I still have a VHS tape of, you know, testing the game and all that stuff and showing it to everybody. The fact that I'm talking about the Nintendo Power, the fact that those memories are still there. That's tell that's a testament to what Rare does. Let's uh let's fast forward a little bit. Let's go let's go to Nintendo 64, okay? What is a game that everybody played? Absolutely everybody played. Like I don't know any gamer out there that did not go to a friend's house at least and play this game and experience it. And experience the fact that there was a rule that nobody played as odd job. I'm talking GoldenEye 007. Pierce Brosnan, you know, just <laughs> yeah, who cares if it was blocky? Who cares if the AK-47 was known as the pencil gun because it looked like a pencil? This game really paved the way for the first-person shooters. This was pre-Halo. This is this is pre-Call of Duty. This was what, when it came down to it, when you challenged your buddies, this is the game you went to. This was our arena. This was, I'm going to grab a bunch of Mountain Dew or, hell, even Jolt Cola, and I'm going to stay up all night long, see if we can stay up as many days as we can during the summer, and just keep playing this game. I mean, we went through with... Goldeneye, my cousins and I, we played this game to the point that we actually created like this is oh man, I'm gonna I'm really geeking out, but we would create <laughs> scenarios and would use it like it was like we we're playing. Granted, we were older, but we still used it because it was a game. We we're talking about it, and we would use it like it was playing with action figures. And it, my sister played with us. She was usually like some mad scientist, crazy lady that would eventually turn us. It would be my brother, my cousin, and I versus her. We'd get put into jail cells, all stuff. We used all the different maps and created storylines with it. And it was just something that was empowering. It felt good. It felt like, you know, you could go in, have an experience. My dad played this this game all the time with us. And then they took a break, you know. Let's 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 go where well, we did our shoot 'em thing. Let's what can we do? Let's get ourselves back. Because let's get ourselves back to something a little more, a little more like Donkey Kong. Let's create something else. Now, anybody who follows me knows that I, t- I got to test a game and re- or review a game called uh, Ukulele, which borrowed a lot from Banjo Kazooie. Ukulele was an amazing game. It was very beautiful. I recommend anybody who has a current gen console. Has the ability to get it to pay, purchase ukulele. Also, if you have a Switch, you can have it mobile. But the game I'm talking about right now is Banjo Kazooie. Banjo Kazooie came out and just it was just you know it was it had that kind of feel of Mario. It had that feel of Donkey Kong Country, but then it just had its own uniqueness to it, and it was kind of just you could just jive with it. These are all games, and the thing is, is is like Banjo Kazooie and stuff. There's remakes of this stuff. There's there's newer versions of it. You can still get it today. It's easy if you want to go back and try these games out. Tell you what, Rare has a game called Rare Replay. Gets you a whole bunch of their games. 30 games. 30 games, guys. 30 games that they're a part of. You can go back and you can play. You can play it online. You can play it with your buddies. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Banjo-Kazooie was just like this game that you could lose yourself in. Again, it was during the times, these bright colors... These, you know, you would have the, back then you didn't think about it as, it, it pay attention to as much, but you'd have the characters that were just like, whoa, 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 almost like the Charlie Brown kind of effect when he's listening to adults. But that was okay, because, I mean, you were playing the game, you're excited to read the dialogue, to see what was going on, see how the characters interacted with everything. And that's just, that's just how you did things. It was just great. Then, you know, everybody was like, there's not another James Bond game. We wanted we wanted something like James Bond. Rare comes and releases this epic 
story that you can play co-op through the campaign, which I did multiple times with my brother. And I'm talking, this is Perfect Dark. Perfect Dark is just, it took all the things that were awesome from GoldenEye and created something much, and it's hard to say this, but much more grandiose because you had now these guns that you could set up and they would act almost like the, you know, like the the trip mines or remote mines and all this stuff. And my favorite was the dragon. Oh my gosh, the dragon was such an OP gun, but it was so good. I remember the story, and then you you play in the story, and it's a sci- this you know spy going into this sci-fi. This is based in you know near future, but it's sci- science fiction based. But then they start throwing in alien and like yeah, UFO stuff going along with it, and the campaign was just fully entertaining. And then you go into the multiplayer, which was just massive in comparison to what Goldeneye was, giving you all these different options, abilities to switch your heads around, creating your own kind of having a customization option kind of for your character and whatnot, which was awesome again, because I mean, and then the bots, the bots in this just if you because this is back before you had online, so you could set up a match and then have all these bots coming around and the bots you could tailor their difficulty based on certain basically engines you could put in them and so it would create a match that was just i mean you had to get good if you wanted to survive these are all things that this company over time was learning and teaching itself to create and then other companies basically mimic they had this game come out and it was uh remember correctly is Diddy Kong Racing. Basically Mario Kart, but with Donkey Kong, some other Banjo-Kazooie, your other characters. And there's a squirrel. Little cute squirrel. You know, everybody's like, oh, this cute squirrel. You play the character. Years later, character comes out in a game called Conker's Bad Fur Day. This game's a platform of video game, obviously developed by Rare for the Nintendo 64 console in 2001. It's part of the Conquer video game series that follows the story of Conquer the Squirrel, a greedy, heavy-drinking red squirrel who attempts to return home to his girlfriend, Barry. Gameplay is composed of various challenges that involve platforming, solving puzzles, fighting enemies, and gathering objects. The game also features a multiplayer mode where a maximum of four players can compete in seven different game types. Some of those game types were actually really fun. I mean, running around the vehicle, things like that. Now, this was the thing that got people, though. They actually, it was developed by Rare. You see Conker on the cover holding a beer and leaning back. You see his girlfriend, who's scantily clad. Conker had already been in a cutesy game that was kid-related, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah, he was. <laughs> so, that's the thing. is People were kind of, you know, a little, you know, if these kids are grinding to grab this thing, it was not a kid game. In fact... There was an advisory, it said mature on the front, and this game is not for anyone under the age of 17. Nintendo doesn't really put out a lot of games like that, but this was a game that just, it was good. It did well, it was awesome, it was fun. The campaign, I mean, it got, I mean, this game was re-released on the 360, when the 360 came out. And it was called, the remake was called Conquer Live and Reloaded, which was released for Xbox in 2005. Now, this game is also in Rare Replay. That's why I tell you guys to check out Rare Replay. Now, let's kind of jump forward to 2002. 2002 was a big year. Microsoft acquired Rare, retaining with which they retained the original branding logo and most of the most of, of the uh, properties that they had. So when the game 
when the 360 released, so we're talking day one Xbox 360. So 360 for me, this is something that I'll talk about. I came to the store and my buddies and I were, we weren't originally interested in 360. We we're going to stick with the Xbox for a while. Then all of a sudden we got interested. We called up a local Walmart because we didn't pre-order. Nope. Nope. We were late, late, late comers to this. And they're like, yeah, no, we're not. We don't have the chair. We don't have chairs out. They're putting out chairs for people to sit in. They're going to sit in for like 12 hours. We went in and it was like 1.30 in the morning just to get some soda and whatnot. And we see the chairs out. We immediately sit in them. We sat in those from 1.30 in the morning until 12 midnight. A lot of other things went down, but it's a little too long, too long and tedious to tell you the tales that happened in those chairs. 2005, Cameo Elements of Power comes out. This game by Rare was just, it, it was it was almost like a, it was almost like a Legend of Zelda for the Xbox. And I would, oh God, would I love to see a sequel to this game. But that's besides the point. This game really pushed the to show you what the three the difference was between like the 360 and the xbox original it was kind of like a also like a mixture between like pokemon but because you could collect these elements of power like these plant ice other creatures and then cameo which was this elf like uh female wizardess she could take over these have the bodies and she would be inside of them basically and you'd control but again this game was so bright vivid it was that rare bright and vivid stuff that you'd get but it was beautiful but then also when when you haven't seen a new tech yet when you've when you've gone in and you start seeing just in the background tons of stuff moving like all these enemies coming it really like this was that game that was like boom this is what it can do we're showing you right now. And that seems to be kind of what Rare does. Rare, when they really go at something, they give you something that just knocks your socks off and just says, hey, here you go. This is what you can expect. Gives you an experience, gives you something that you can't stop playing, and then something that you just feel connected to. And then actually as a download, they actually put in a cooperative multiplayer mode where you could play two players on this game. It was really, really cool. I remember the day that it came out. My roommate and I jumped on and we played it together and we just were sitting there getting game face drilling all over the place. The next game that I want to talk about that just kind of goes into this crazy just background of what this company has created, okay? Again, talking experiences, experiences. They revisited Perfect Dark. Xbox came out. This was one of the, or Xbox 360 came out. This was one of the release titles. I'm talking Perfect Dark Zero. Perfect Dark Zero, it was very, it was fun. It was nice because it was this experience that you got to have on the Xbox 360. It was one of the first uh, FPSs on there. The other one would have been the launch title, which was Call of Duty. And uh, it was originally being worked on for the Xbox but then they they were like okay they, they took it back they reworked it and they launched it on the three or on the Xbox 360. Now it had the campaign mode which had 14 missions and you could play these cooperatively just like you could the original which again that's just, that's all you got to do for me you give me something i can experience with other people i'm going to be happy but then the multiplayer mode the multiplayer was fun and now it didn't it had a maximum of 32 players which that was something that was it, was, it took a bit to get used to because you know i'm going from playing with bots and playing on you know playing with four players so then going to having 32 players it was just like mind-blowing it was just this is nuts and when the perfect dark zero 
released. It sold more than 1 million copies worldwide and it got general generally good reviews and it scored 81 out of 100 uh on the current on metacritic when it came out so i mean it was it was a good it was a good experience it didn't capture that same experience that the original perfect dark did but it was a good entry into to kind of bringing the title back which i'm hoping hoping and kind of thinking we're going to see something more about jonah dark or her family ties and everything that so I think we're going to see another Perfect Dark here pretty soon. There was a time when I got really, really sick. And I had certain games I was playing. There was a game that actually came out that really lifted my spirits. And I think it was designed more for more for kids. But I didn't care. I was playing it. came out in 2006. Eh, I guess it's a, kind of what you'd call like a simulation. Like a life simulation. A farming simulation kind of game. But instead of animals, it was piñatas. They even had they even had a cartoon that came out. Okay, Viva Pinata was just this. Oh man, how do I even explain it? It just not not now. This Viva Pinata was something I needed at the time. It was happy. Uh, you could create this garden, okay, and you would raise this, these pinatas up, and then they had like an ecosystem. Certain pinatas had to eat other pinatas, and the whimsical nature of the game would just whisk you away into the music, into the sound. I got so many of my adult gamer friends to start playing this game. And it it was something that just, it, it kind of kept me going when things were looking really dark. I mean, at the time I was very ill, told that there was the potential of me passing away, you know. So I, but this this game kind of uplifted me. It gave me, gave me something to think about, something that made me happy, made me smile. And that's something that I actually got to share with my daughter. Like when it came out in Rare Replay, I let her play it, introduced her. I didn't start out in Viva Pinata. There's, so there's three games in the Viva Pinata series. There's Viva Pinata. There's uh, uh, Viva Pinata uh, Trouble in Paradise. And then there's Viva Pinata Party Animals. Party Animals is almost like a was like a 360s version kind of of Mario Party with elements of Mario Kart in it. And it was just a blast. And I know I keep saying, and I keep talking all this stuff that's good about this company, but it's it's what it is, is that I look to see this company. I look to see that, you know, all these things that they've done. And then I go back and I compare it to things like, okay, Bungie. Bungie, love the company to death. Halo 1, 2, 3, ODST, and Reach are some of my favorite games, some of my best experiences. Let's not, you know, let's not turn our backs to Destiny. Destiny introduced me to Uprising, introduced me to some people who are now I view as family. Like, you couldn't tell me that they're not my family. It was a game that gave me a lot and just kept giving to the community. Now, Destiny 2, something's, something's missing. Something kind of got jumbled along the way. And it almost feels like the... Like the development team hasn't been as open with us as they used to be and that's something that you know the you're gonna get it you're gonna win or you're gonna you're gonna win you're gonna lose you're gonna win you're gonna lose it's something that's very difficult to try to even out people want what they want they want to know what's going on and they're not always going to get that well rare in <laughs> so let's do let's go back to the E3 when they when they talk about 
Sea of Thieves, okay? Gaming for me is a family experience. It's something that when I see something I feel that I can play with my family, it literally will have me start to tear up. Um, so it was, let's see. Actually, let me go back and just talk a little bit. I know we were talking about Viva Pinata and stuff like that. Let's go back to January 2nd, 2007, when Rare founders Chris and Tim Stamper left the company to pursue other opportunities. The former lead designer, Greg Mails, you're going to hear that name a lot. I'm sure you have already. He became Rare's creative director and Mark Betridge, the company's studio director. That saw the release of Jetpack Refueled, a remake of Jetpack for Xbox Live Arcade, which was fun. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> I get, but uh, it was one of those things where it was just kind of people picked it up, they played it, they enjoyed it. But then what happened was is Rare kind of took a. This is where Rare kind of went down, and they, they kind of took a a step back a bit. And a, what they did is. Xbox started, Microsoft started pushing Xbox Live avatars. Now they use characters you could use in games, you could use in other stuff. Didn't ever get used as much as they kind of bolstered them to be used, but they were something that people used as a way for you to, to recognize. You went and saw your friends on the thing, you know, on the dashboard. Oh, I know who that is because of who, their avatar. And that's what Rare did. Rare did this stuff. And that, then when the uh, Connect comes out. Rare started working on Connect games. Uh, they were studio was put to focus on that. They created, the, I mean, they created the games that most people played on the Connect. They connect, created Connect Sports, which was freaking awesome, and to me, kicked Wii Sports ass. Then the second one that they created, they, they worked on Connect Sports Season 2. Now, this individual <laughs> in 2011, Craig Duncan, he had worked on Sonic and, and Sega All-Star Racing in the Colin McRae's uh, Rally Series. He was hired on as the Senior Studio Director. Now, if you're wondering who Craig Duncan is, if you've heard that name before, that would be because Craig Duncan is, well, he is, he just, he's huge, especially right now. 
Craig Duncan, Joe Neat. These are names that you hear and you think that's rare. You think this is rare. I mean, they're actually, what's been great is going along the process of making Sea of Thieves, they have done such a good job with their inside stories and things like that of bringing all the different developers forward and get, you know placing a face to the name and giving the community someone to rally behind. And, I mean, I... I've even got, and I'm kind of bouncing around the place here a little bit. And I don't mean to do that, but I get a little scatterbrained sometimes. But uh, basically, this all was kind of a, just a celebration of the things that Rare have done. And I skipped over a lot of the games that they've created, because they've create, been a part of a ton of stuff, guys. But what I really wanted to get down is to the is to the nitty-gritty I want to start talking about Sea of Thieves because I can. I can now. So many streamers are out there playing this game. So many experiences are being had. Stories are being told. Rare has created a dream game. They've created a dream experience, and that's not overstating things. They have created something that people literally have been wanting for ever in the gaming universe and would get something similar to it but there's always be some drawbacks right now they have created just that that perfect niche that needed to be filled now you know some people may have been playing cowboys and indians but you know hey i was never no, no slouch not to play pirates i love pirates go to the beach i was a pirate watch the goonies i like that one-eyed willy guy now it's fucked with these nows, man. Oy vey. These are things that it's it's a little difficult because I'm trying to do a show that I had, I had scheduled to have multiple people on. But I just still wanted to talk about this stuff because, you know, people don't always, people always see the future. They don't, or the present and the future. They don't really think about the past and the things they can go back and experience. I'm telling you, Rare Replay, there's a reason it's Replay because you need to play it. But... That said, I remember when I saw Sea of Thieves on stage. I remember when they first announced it, and I saw the names running around. It was like people playing this, and I was like, oh my god, this is going to be amazing. I got, it affected me. Like I got teary-eyed, okay? Then the next year comes, and they show gameplay footage. And in that footage is Mike Abstracticus. If your name sounds familiar, that's because he was one of the guys who helped us create Geekologist Radio. He was one of the ones name one of the first ones there with us. He'll be here in a future episode when we interview Joe Neat. And but seeing him and hearing him go, "What do we do?" And then the you're leaving me behind all this stuff. I don't do it justice. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm I I really wish I could. And then just I have met a lot of the people who and had a pleasure of playing games now with or at least see at these with a lot of the members that were got to experience this game for the first time. And now they're under NDA, so I don't I don't get to know a lot of what went on over there, but between just seeing how excited they are about it 
and then knowing how excited I am about it from just my experiences with the alpha, just telling you it's a good thing, can't go into it because NDA, but I can talk to you about the beta, and then my experiences with the beta. This is something that, I mean, I haven't found a game that I could really get my wife to play in a long time. This is a game that I could probably get my wife to play because my wife loves sailing. And how well that they put all this detail into the into the mechanics of sailing and everything, especially when you hit into the storms and just this is that game that can bridge the the it bridges the gaps between the hardcore and the you know the casual gamer. You can be you can I mean it, you can be either and you can play together and you can create adventures and have a great time there are adventures being told stories being created that are all over the place right now and there's like okay i'm gonna tell you so i went out i was on the sloop i was by myself i was like i'm just gonna play for a little while i'm just gonna go out there i'm gonna get on the sea okay i'm out there minding my own business don't see any 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 pirates in the land at all don't see any ships i just come to an island i'm like you know what i'm not gonna i'm, I'm not i'm just gonna go look to see if there's stuff i can take off the island Let's see if there's some some treasure chests out there. I don't find any treasure chests. I find some black powder. I find a bunch of black powder. But I didn't get to grab it because I look over. I'm on top of a hill. I look over. I see just my flag waving in the distance, you know. And I, then I see up a bigger mass coming right up alongside my sh- sloop. I hear the cannon fire. And I see the mermaid smoke rise. They don't know if there's one person or if there's two people on the island, but they know that there's someone on the island. So there's now searching the island. Now, this instantly makes me go back to feeling like I'm, not, I'm not going to say I was in Pirates of the Caribbean, but it made me feel like Disney's shipwrecked. <laughs> I'm in that, I'm in that, you know, cave, and then all of a sudden here come the pirates after me. But then the difference is, Guys, I'm not a kid that had to build like booby traps and things like that. I'm I'm a I'm a pirate myself. And I'm a damn crafty pirate. What these people didn't do is they haven't taken the time to explore the depths of some of the areas in between this particular island. There's a bunch of little islands and there's some areas where you could go deep, deep, deep down and hide under rocks and stuff. So that's what I did. I took a few shots with a sniper, then I ran and I hid. They had hit me, so they had thought that they'd killed me. They did not. They managed to go and find their treasure. I did not have a boat. But I'll be damned if I was letting them get this treasure back. Now, I knew I knew they had to have more treasure on their ship because the other pirates stayed on the ship waiting to see if we were going to double back to try to steal anything. I managed to clip this guy with, with the long view rifle. And then... He ducks behind to eat some bananas. I run up on him with the blunderbuss, and I take him down. I grab that chest, and what is the first thing I think? Let's run to the water. Oh, yeah, sharks. <laughs> Get out. Drop my the chest in the water. It floats. I don't want them to be able to find this. So I kill the first shark. I'm like, what can I do? Hint, guys, if you want to get rid of a treasure chest and then come back and get it later, there's no bottom to the ocean right now. You drop that down into the water. If you crawl under, if you can dive down and survive the sharks, if you can dive down underneath those giant stones you see floating in the water. 
you can find ledges and then this chest will float up and it will stop underneath the ledge. Now, only you know where that treasure's at. Nobody's going to find that. Just a little hint. But I mean, there are so many stories going on out there right now. So many epic moments. And it's just a fun time to be a gamer. I mean, they are so, like, Rare as a company is so open. The doors, they used to be very closed with how they developed. And they decided to test the waters. And they've just been open, like, everything. They talk to everybody about everything. They show everybody, you know, what's going on in development and stuff. You just don't see things like that. So to see a company being so open and so just involved in their community, that is what more companies need to be. We don't get enough of that out there. We don't have enough of that going on. I'm hoping that when everybody that that when this game launches officially and it's not a closed beta, everybody's playing the thing. I'm hoping that that's the mark when people are like. I have to have an Xbox One. I have to, or I have to have a computer that can play this. I have to be in that Microsoft family because I want to experience Sea of Thieves. So you got your PUBG. That game's amazing. It's on a, it's right now, it's on PC and it's on Xbox. I love it. It's an experience. But nothing, there is nothing out there that feels like this game does and you won't know it until you give it a try and you know guys microsoft has given you a crazy crazy option that if you want to just experience the game if you're not sure if you're not sure if you're hearing me gush about this company and you're like eh buddy hey i'm not sure if i really believe anything you're saying right now but you know you got me just a little curious well guess what wait for the game to be about to launch pick yourself up the Microsoft Game Pass. When the game launches, you can experience it. You can play it, test it out. And then if you like it, you can purchase it at a discounted rate. So you can try the game. Play the full game for 11 bucks for pretty much a, you know as long as you want to find out if you want it. Then you can purchase it. It's yours. Something to think about. When people are saying, oh, I don't want to pay this. The other thing is, they didn't put out a collector's edition. Now, this bothered me. <laughs> for Actually, I'm not going to lie. I wanted a collector's edition. I wanted everything I could out of this game. Okay? I have the controller coming. I'm going to have the art book coming here soon. But I wanted a collector's edition. Craig Duncan said no. They wanted to make this game as accessible to as many people as they could. That is how things get done. And that's how this happens. You have the Game Pass option to be able to play this game. That's something pretty fantastic, guys. This game just, again, what they have for you to play in the beta is just a sliver of the experiences that are going to come from this thing. And the game's going to just constantly be changing and evolving with with the team, with, you know, us. And that's the thing is, I've been in the alpha since, like, the alpha session two. 
And I can just tell you that this game isn't just developed by the developers. It's been developed by the community. When you're playing this game, you are playing something that has been tested, that has been, that has had many, many hours of experiences. A lot of my own hours of experiences have been put into this thing. And, you know, questionnaires have been sound. And the thing is, is that then they ask more questions and then they give you answers. And then they say, hey, yo, this guy suggested this. And we think that's a good idea. What do you guys think? That's the kind of stuff that went on with this development process. And we're not getting this thing that turns out to be like the change story or the missing dialogue, the missing story that was never given to us for Destiny 1. Or it's not the thing, you know, it's not something like where people are complaining about Halos doesn't feel like Halo because it's changing up things. No, this is the fact that it's, granted, it's its own game, so it doesn't get compared to like people saying, oh, this game's been done before. It's just the fact that the company has been so transparent. So transparent. And it just feels good to know that you are in the company of them and that your money that you spend towards this game is money well spent because the team has created art with this. Like, if you haven't seen it, look up the screenshots, okay, that people are taking now. Now you can. Look it up. You could take screenshots in this game and you could put it up in a fine art gallery. And if you take the angles and stuff like that, people are going to think that it is, that's exactly what it is. Because I'm telling you guys, gaming is art. Game design is art. It really honestly is. All the stuff, all the work that goes into this, the into these creations, it's beautiful. Now, oh fudge! Coming up here in probably a couple weeks, we're going to have uh, Joe Neat's going to be on the show. We're going to have Joe Neat. We're going to have Mike Abstracticus. Nick in PDX will be on, and we're going to have, so Mike's going to represent the Mixer community. And then from the Twitch community, we have Captain Jack Sparrow. This is going to be a pirate-filled episode that is going to go be able to ask the questions of how the development team was able to create some of these things, how they transitioned from Connect to creating this, this pirate experience. And if you're out, look, you're curious, go out there and look on YouTube. There are things out there that are titled like Hidden and, you know, Alf, Alf pre-alpha footage and stuff like that. And you can look at this game that was, it looks like a, it, I mean, it's Sea of Thieves, but it looks like you're looking at some type of like, you know, really, you know, like an indie game for Steam. But you're seeing Phil Spencer play it. You're seeing Kudo play it. You're seeing these people play it and just getting enjoyment out of that. And that's not about graphics. That's about a gameplay. And that's just something that this is. Rare does gameplay. Most of my episodes, anything that I do solo in the, you know, won't, aren't going to be gushing things, things like that. But I had to, I had, I had to do something like this. Like I wanted it to be a couple people to be talking about, to go back and forth. But I just, you know, when my grandfather was alive, he was one of the main people that would go and pick me up these games, these rare games and stuff. So knowing that I'm going to be playing something with my kids. The only something I'm going to be playing with his great-grandchildren. And I'm going to have the same enjoyment that I had when I would go and play games in his house, 
him and my grandma's house with my dad and my cousins. We'd all gather around the rare games. Knowing the fact that I'm going to have those experiences with my family again, that's just, that's awesome. And thank you, Rare, for letting that happen. Now, before I end this, I just wanted to let you guys know, you can find me on Twitter, at Mr. Damian Nash, all one word. You can find Geekologist Radio on Twitter, minus the T for character restrictions. And you can find us on a wonderful website full of all sorts of magical podcasts, and that's ninjapancake.com. That's right, they use pancakes as ninja stars. It's insane. Go check out Geek Squash. Go check out our bros, the Mulehorn Gaming Podcast. Oh, excuse me. No longer Mulehorn Gaming Podcast. Go check out Mulehorn and the guys on Analog Assault. And with that, you can find us. We'll links to all the other locations. We're reworking our webpage. We're getting things done, guys. We are going to be ready for Season 2 here very soon. But with that, we're me out. But stay tuned to be introduced to one of the pirates from a new YouTube channel coming up. That's going to be kind of a podcast thing based on the stories from the Sea of Thieves. Without further ado... I just would like to tell you a little bit about myself. <laughs> uh, before I was marooned on this island, you see, uh, I was a captain sailing the seas, taking many a, many a wenches over my, my shoulders. I can't get, uh, I, I, I couldn't break down a little bit of my pack bound. See, my mama already said that I came from a Viking uh, heritage. Dad hasn't been much in my life. <laughs> Could be a little bit why I went to be in the piracy, or it could be the fact that I was born in a, you know, a, a pirate hub, <laughs> kind of, if you will. But, you know, I think I may have been a little too rough on my crew, <laughs> being the half-viking, half-pirate that I am. And, uh, uh they left a mutiny. <laughs> 
So I wound up on this island. But uh, just so you know, the island isn't just inhabited by me. There's two other pirate captains that kind of likely things happened to them. They kind of came onto the island, but we try to find ways to, you know, you know entertain ourselves. Now, well, I'm talking right now to uh, a coconut. <laughs> How would I take you to Thieves' Tales of the Seas? And right now, I guess you'd say I'm kind of playing your host <laughs> on this uh, little journey. Well, wow, the birds are really out there today. Wait, what's that? That looks like a bottle. Oh, it looks like it's got something in it. <laughs> this this could be good, guys. Hang on. Hang on, y'all. Oh, my. I think it has a bit of air left still in it. <laughs> oh, it's be piss water. Oh, but there's a note in there, but... Who would be putting the piss water in the ledger bottle? Oh, that's supposed to be so that it survives in case your ship gets sunk. Oh, my God, man. Uh, if I get the person who did that, uh, that's probably a, a shark bait for now. I'm going to take time to go and dry this off. I'll be back in a little bit, and we'll see what the contents are. That'd be much better. Nothing warms the bones. It's quite like a nice fire. You can't beat the view. The beautiful sea just coming crashing on in. And you know the thing about fire. Definitely brings up the heat. Dries things out. Lifts the spirits. And now I don't really... I'm not going to really think about that swig of... Well, let's not even go there. <laughs> but let's look into what this ledger says, shall we? Just let me unroll it here a little bit. Ah. Was it a log at all for the ship? This is someone's journal. <laughs> This should give us a little bit of entertainment. Why don't I read it to you? Thinking of a bedtime story, if you will. <laughs> this one comes from Captain Thomas LaPointe from the Sea of Thieves Facebook group. It goes on to say, Came back from work. Oh, I gotta stop right there. <laughs> Obviously, he's not pirating right if he's working. That's the first first thing of pirating. You don't work. You let the others do the work for you, and then you take the booty. <laughs> Let's get back to it. Still thinking about my exploits as a kamikaze pirate. This pirate must have extra lives. <laughs> After like an hour of fighting, I'm both... In a two-man cruise, bombing, sniping, and boarding didn't do the trick. Both our boats were out of cannonballs, patched up from everywhere. We were out of planks. Also, I had to go rob some on the enemy ship during power hours. Well, maybe perhaps he's a pirate after all. He did go after the other ship, board them, and take planks to be able to patch his holes. That's a pirate after my own heart. <laughs> We finally split 
and went own ways, since none of us had the means to sink the other ship. But wait, I saw Gaudian in the distance, parked on an island. Part, he says. <laughs> Sails raised, anchor down. I thought to myself, they got the treasure. I got literally nothing to lose. So I went ahead by myself and rushed in. Wind in the back at the last second pulled the anchor down. The ship starts turning when I hear cannon shooting and bullets flying, but they all miss. I'm in their dead back. But they saw me and was ready. What to do? What to do? I'll tell you what you do. You board that ship and you take that booty. And you take it out to the sea. And if they take you down, you make sure that the sharks guard it so you can come back and pick it up. After you've paid your toll. And Davy Jones' laka goes on to say, I jumped into the water. Trying to go up the ladder. He was waiting with a blunderbuss. As he should be. The next ladder. And the next. On previous. And it goes on. And then I finally trick him. I get up. I pull my gun. Boom! I shoot him down. And that's the thing. That's the trick. I proceed to charge another crew with my sword. And then keep fighting. I got three down on me own. I go to the bottom deck. There lies a captain's chest. Wow. It would be a shame if someone had to run away with it and never be seen again. <laughs> well, Captain Thomas LaPointe, I must say, your tale does have that little bit of nature to it of the pirates, but where's the ending? What happened? We need more. Trust me, we do what we need more. <laughs> There's not much going on on this island besides coconuts, some bloody birds that just keep on cackling even throughout the night. <laughs> and, of course, two other snorting pirates near me right now. There's not really... We, we need we need more stories. So, if you like Captain Thomas LaPointe and you want to hear your stories told or read by a couple of, uh, you know... Scurvy dogs like ourselves. <laughs> you need to send stuff in. Or just keep posting your information. You keep posting. Or keep posting up your tales. On the forums. On Reddit. On the Facebook groups. We're going to be perusing them all. And as we find good things. We will be bringing it on. And creating an amazing cast of stories. From the Sea of Thieves. And in closing. Keep it tuned to Geekologist Radio. Where we will announce when we go live for our first pilot episode. Hope you enjoyed the teaser, and it's only going to get better from here. Till then, this captain's.